Hello, welcome to another episode of Direct to Chile, a podcast where we discuss about what it's really like to do business in Chile. Having been here 10 years, I have learned a lot of things that are particular to this country. And the idea of this podcast is to speak to people who are doing business in Chile, like myself, and hear their side of this story. My guest today is Akash Goklan. Akash is an industrial engineer from Boston Northeastern University and a passionate entrepreneur and someone I'm proud to say a good friend. Akash is founder and CEO of ElitePerfumes.cl, Chile's number one online perfume shop that seeks to democratize access to luxury. I believe they're the largest fragrance e-commerce company in the country with around 3,000 SKUs projected to 5,000 by end of the year. And what's even more impressive is that Elite Perfumes has a run rate of the last 12 months of over 20 million US dollars, which for a country the size of Chile is extremely impressive. So without further ado, I am proud to introduce my friend Akash. Akash, thank you very much for being on the show. Hey Amit, thank you for having me and thank you for the kind words. I should probably have you uh, write up my dating profile. That was excellent, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Sure. Akash, I want to get into the business, but before that, do you sell Shakira perfumes? I do. I do. We've seen a, we've seen a little bit of an uptick uh, these past few days after her song released. Um, it's been very entertaining. I'm just amazed uh, about the, these marketing geniuses who have made such creative memes. It's been absolutely hilarious. I thought the Casio and, and Rolex thing was just impressive. Whose side are you on? Are you on her side, his side, or you don't really care? I don't really care. I just, I'm just enjoying the show. Have you seen the meme of uh, Michael Jackson eating popcorn? That's how I feel. You know, just Twitter has blown up. And well, we have a friend in common uh, who sells uh, watches. He was telling me yesterday, his sales for Casio tripled the last two days. I messaged him. I messaged him about the same thing. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. So so for us, uh, for, for people who don't know, January in Chile is, is dead. It's our summer. So sales are very, very, very low at, at this these months. And our friend who sells watches, he's celebrating uh, because he's the only one selling right now. Well, good for him. So Akash, can you tell us in your own words, what's the success behind Elite Perfumes? How have you achieved in such a short time frame become uh, the leading player in perfumes in the country. What, what makes Elite Perfumes tick? Well, so I think that the, one of the key things was the opportunity we saw, right? So back in 2016, when I founded Elite Perfumes, I was actually here in Chile visiting my family. I had, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was Christmas. And I have a few family members who you know very well that are distributors of fragrances. And when I was looking on what, you know, what to venture in, I noticed that nobody there was no e-commerce uh, fragrance retailer in the country, which kind of surprises me. I don't know if you know this, Amit, but Chile is the second country that consumes the most fragrance in the world by, you know, by its GDP. I did not know that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, when I was researching, I read that and I was like, this is impossible. Um, how's nobody selling online? I was, you know, living in Boston and I was so used to having the Amazon free two-day shipping. This was just fucking insane to me. It's 2016. It's not... We're not talking about, you know, 1995. And so that was a big opportunity for us. Sure. The other big key thing that we did is we started, uh, you know, going very, very hard on digital marketing when Facebook was really, really cheap. And, uh, you know, that was, a, that was another 
uh, key component for sure. Can you explain to me something? Uh, as you know, I'm in consumer electronics. Yeah. No, so my, my, I wanted to understand a bit the pricing. In consumer electronics, I sell Apple, Samsung, GoPro, and my price on my website is exactly the same as the price on the Apple website or on Falavela or any department store. Whereas in perfumes, I find the pricing in your website to be 40, 50% cheaper than I see on the retail stores. Can you explain that? I, I just, it blows my mind. So what you normally see, well, what you normally see in consumer electronics is an Apple iPhone being priced the same all over the world. With fragrances, a little bit different, right? So you will see different pricing depending on the brand, depending on the product, because there's an oversupply of fragrances than, than its demand. So, you know, we end up buying a lot of products and importing them because we get a better pricing maybe in the U.S. or in Europe rather than locally in Chile. So what ends up happening is for, for us, a $100 bottle, we make $25 on an average. But what we would normally sell at, at $100, the big retail chain stores will sell $150. They will make $50 and the brand will make another $25 to $30. So what, what ends up happening is there's just different pricing model for big retail chain, but we, we don't work directly with all the brands. We work directly with some brands and the rest is imported through distributors. We look for the best price that any distributor can give us. That's why we, we tend to be priced a lot cheaper than the, the chain stores. Those are beautiful margins. I think I'm in the wrong line of business. Um, tell us about your uh, your team, your operations. Your, are you self-funded? Do you work with bank loans? Uh, are you VC funded? You know, can you tell us a little bit about that? And also about the team, uh, you know, to, to sell 12, 20 million plus a year. It's not just you and the warehouse. It's, it's a team that you've built. Can you get into a bit of details to teach other people, please? Yeah, for sure. Well, early on in my career, in my last venture, I was part of a startup. We went under because we didn't take care of our cash flow. So when I started this business, I had $10,000 and I had to take, I had to be very careful about buying carefully, paying on time and uh, having the right product. I was, uh, I had the luck that I had, I had a couple of family members in, in, in the business. So I could, uh, yeah, well, there were distributors, so I could get a little bit of credit line on, you know, on a small amount that helps us get, get started. We were self-funded while until, till today, we still, uh, I still own hundred percent of the equity on the company. We were lucky enough that we, we started doing very, we started doing well very early on. Therefore the bank started giving out, giving us very good, uh, interest rates on the loans. Right now we have about, I'd say half of our inventory is still, you know, funded by bank loans and half of the inventory is self-funded um, with the cash flow that we've been producing uh, over the years. Um, but it's 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 been a pretty healthy mix of both. I definitely think, you know, uh, COVID has helped because, you know, we, in, we, in the, we were able to get a lot of funding through very low interest rates. But as per the team, you know, most of the people who are with us today um, they've been with, with me uh, for a very long time. Some of them, even my, my right hand today in the business, she's, she's been with me since day one. Uh, we just hired a VP of business development. She's been in a week. But before that, um, it was just, you know, everybody in the company is very young. We started just learning from other people. Well, like yourself, I made, you know, I've, I've gone to you for a ton of advice and, and, and other friends too on, on how to structure our teams. Um, but our structure has been very lean. Uh, it's, it's had me 
I've, I've been wearing a lot of the hats um, until the last you know year or two where I started actually building a team. We got a head of finance, we got a head of operations, we got a head of marketing. And now that we're trying to take it to another level, I had to bring in somebody with a lot of experience, right? Let's try something uh, different today. I'm gonna ask you some quick questions and you can just throw out whatever comes in your mind. What's next for Elite in one sentence? Is it horizontal expansion, vertical, another country, uh, more product lines? What's on your mind? What, what do you sleep dreaming of? We're definitely gonna, we're, we're opening up new categories. We're acquiring new brands um, and we're opening up more stores and key locations. You know, I have it very clear uh, what, are, what we're heading to. Okay, and today your sales pie chart. You sell online on ElitePerfumes.cl. You do a bit of wholesale. What's the pie look like today? Is it 80-20, 50-50? Well, it used to be 80-20 <laughs> with everything opening back up after the pandemic. It's 60% e-com, uh, I'd say 25% wholesale, and the other 15 would be our retail stores. Okay, great. And do you see growth in the retail stores? Are they, are they, are they marketing expenses or are they profitable standalone stores? Well, so the the retail stores are actually are very profitable. Just the volume, you know, the volume we're trying to get is, is not as high as the, what the e-com can do. But that's what, that's where we see a big opportunity. Chile, compared to other places in the world, which is something very interesting, the people here love to go to the mall, man. They go to the mall uh, when they're bored. On the weekends, they take their kids to the mall. That's why even before COVID and after COVID, we see people going back to, you know, offline shopping. It's not like, you know, a lot of people are, I think things are gonna, are gonna downsize a little bit in, in retail, but the main, the main shopping malls are still gonna be a great spot to be in. Okay, I'm glad you're making money in the retail stores. I just closed two stores in December. I got two stores left and neither of, neither of them are making money. So I don't know how you do it, but I guess the higher margins might explain uh, most of that. I wanted to ask you, what are the challenges that you faced? I mean, I've had, I've had constant theft. I've had constant battle with suppliers on margin. I've had uh, everywhere I look, every day is a new problem. Uh, so far, I've only heard good things about your story. I want to know what are the bad things that's happened to you in your journey and how did you overcome them? Maybe if you can give me some examples, that would be great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can tell you from starting up, it was very tough. People didn't take me very seriously because I was 24 years old. They would laugh at my face when I talked about e-commerce because it wasn't a big thing. Uh, everybody thought I was, you know, I left the U.S. And, you know, I studied in a prestigious university, a great job and, and you know, all that stuff. And I came back. I was here trying to open up an online store and uh, luckily, <laughs> luckily it worked out. Another challenge we faced was every year has been a challenge. Things from running out of funding in the first in the second year uh, when when the whole, you know, there was a lot of political disruption in, in 2019. Um, but something very, very particular to us is that I had, a, you know, I'd got the licensing for two brands that were a big part of our revenue. And we just lost that, you know, six months ago. So that's that's rough. And yeah, even personal challenges, you know, having when you're working to, to build something and you don't expect the growth to be that fast, it kind of consumes you personally. You know, you, you, you tend to burn out, you tend to, you know, make mistakes. Luckily, nothing that has taken us, taken us into bankruptcy, but I've been lucky on that, but definitely uh, many things that have been, you know, that, that have, have put me on the ropes. So when you do get stressed out, what's your release? Going to a nightclub, going for a good meal, going to the gym? 
Um, lately, I've been doing uh, Muay Thai, which is like boxing, but it, it involves kicks and, and, you know, hits with the elbow. Uh, I've been working out a ton and just trying to be, you know, more social, meet friends, family, have a good time. You know, I think that's very important. We kind of, sometimes we lose the we lose the notion of time when you're when you're busy building. It's almost like became an obsession uh, for me the first couple of years, um, and that's when you start burning out, right? And also, uh, something very important is getting a good team. Uh, my team's been very supportive. They've done, you know, they've been able to execute very well. So I'm very proud of them. And and yeah, I mean, you know, those are the things that that I think uh, have helped me for sure. And one one more important thing too is 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 having this conversation with other and entrepreneurs. I have a big network of entrepreneurs, and and well, you've been a great support to me as well. You know, for sure. I think we got to remember this is a marathon, not a sprint. We want to do everything fast, but everything takes time. I always looked at you, Akash, as the marketing expert, not just digital marketing, but marketing in general. I think every time I receive your newsletters, uh, for me, there are too many per week. But uh, whenever I speak to anybody in the marketing field, they say that the frequency daily that you blog, post, and send out newsletters is actually the correct way. So uh, kudos to you for that. Do you write your own content and copyright? Do you use an agency or are you using, you know, this chat GP3, open AI? Do you think that's going to disrupt your, your sector in any way? We're not openly using chat GPT yet, but I just think it's amazing what, what they've done. I think open AI has built something that is just it's so advanced, the, the intelligence that the, the software has is just insane. But I'm definitely trying to push my team to use it. And we were actually toying around with it yesterday. And I think it's a very, you know, it's very near in our future. I think an AI will do a much better job than, than you or I <laughs> and the best marketing minds for sure. Um, I mean, it's just getting so much data. Did you, did you, uh, I, don't know if you I don't know if you've seen that, but I read that OpenAI is now valued at $29 billion. Uh, in a few weeks, you know, it went up from nothing to $29 billion. Well, Microsoft is pumping another 10 billion. So because of that round of funding, I believe that's why they've come up with that number. But I think I think AI is gonna give Google finally a run for the money. So I'm excited about that. Um, so, so you also believe AI is gonna be your next copyright and marketing team, and we won't need marketing agencies for that anymore. I do believe that. And I also believe that uh, platforms like Facebook, I just met the, the Facebook guy today. He's in Chile, you know, um, came from Argentina, had lunch with him. And he was pushing us to move into ASC, which is Advantage Shopping Campaign, which it, the algorithm takes care of everything. All you have to do is put in the copy and the creative. So basically what you have to do is go to ChatGPT, get the copy, go to DALI2, DALI get the imaging, put it on the, on Facebook, and it's gonna rad, run an ad, and it's gonna optimize it even better than what, what you or me or an agency could do. That's just insane. We're, you know, all like, I think it's gonna be a big disruptor for, for marketing agencies, for sure. And will that still be doing A-B testing, or it's so intelligent that it won't need to do testing? It'll know right off the bat what the best conversions are going to be. Well, so what it does, it A-B tests everything very quickly and then it starts gathering purchasing data or traffic, view, link clicks. It starts using a, a predictive modeling uh, like base 
to start building what works for you. Amazing. And this is what this is what Facebook is headed to. They're, you know, everything's going to be AI. I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a big game changer. I just got back from Las Vegas uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. And it's amazing how many people are wearing those stupid uh, VR, AR glasses. I mean, Oculus, but thinner, uh, hopefully cheaper. And literally, I posted a video on my Facebook. There's about 30 people with VR glasses and all they were doing was at the same time, they were going somewhere. And I asked the guy, the host, what they were doing. And he said, they're shopping from home. Oh God. So literally they were walking, they were sitting at home, they were walking to the mall in their augmented capacity. And they were actually going into a, for them, a 3D shop. And they were buying things just by clicking some buttons. So the future is actually not very far away. What we see in movies is happening. How did that make you feel? Were you scared? Were you like anxious or excited? I didn't even try it. <laughs> uh, I did not even sit down and try. What I did do is they have future massage chairs and these massage chairs are incredible. They cost $10,000. They're made in Japan and you sit down in it and honestly, you don't want to get up and you close your eyes and you forget you're even in a show. They're brilliant. Honestly, technology is going to affect everything. So so your trip was all play, no work, huh? Uh, Actually, I would say it was 95% play because the things, you know, they had Uber in, in like, you know, these planes and uh, they had uh, virtual reality things. And it, I think on average, the price tickets were a bit too expensive. They had amazing TVs, you know, $20,000 for a TV. I just don't think Chile is ready today for that. But it's always good to see the trends, meet the people in the industry and uh, represent. So, Akash, I, I've told you before, I think what you've done with Elite at, at your young age uh, is, uh, is nothing short of a miracle. And I wish you all the best to keep crushing it. I want to get to know you as a leader. You know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, single, married, what's your morning routine? Anything that you can, that can highlight for us, please? For sure. I'm 30 years old. I'm single. I do not believe in morning routines. I believe in keeping uh, on conserving your energy and using it when it's needed. Um, I used to do a big morning routine beforehand, but I just felt like it, was, it held me back more than, you know, helped me get to my full potential or, you know, enjoy my day. What I do now is I definitely, there are three days I wake up earlier just to get to the gym. But the other days, you know, sometimes I wake up either at seven or at nine, depending if I had a late night or an early morning. I believe that I do not work well early morning. I work better late, like in the evenings, nights. And I also think that there are these moments in the day where like, I just feel like getting things done and I get things done very quickly. And there are some, I could even tell you that there are days that I'll get, I feel like a week's worth of things done and I'll keep running into the same issues for two days and not get, you know, and not be able to get those tasks done. So I've learned that I need to kind of like follow my energy and go all in when, you know, when I'm feeling it. Um, it's worked for me phenomenally and, uh, you know, I, I highly recommend it if, you know, if, if your job doesn't require you to be very, very structured. I think I was the same when I was young and single. Uh, now that I'm <laughs> old, married with two monsters sons, uh, I think uh, for us, a routine is fundamental, you know, especially with the baby sleeping. I think a routine has really helped me. What about uh, what about books you read, podcasts you follow? You know, tell us a little bit about that. I've been following this podcast for a while, My First Million by uh, Sean V. P. and Sampar. Yeah, I think it's a great time. 
I do. I, that's it's kind of the only podcast I'm listening to right now. I do listen to another one sometimes that's direct consumer stuff. That's from Moise Ali and Nick Sharma. Uh, that's more e-commerce detail, limited supply. They've done a great job on that. And as for the rest of the time, I, I kind of listen to a lot of books. I've, I haven't been reading that much, but the last one I read was U Squared, which was kind of like how to achieve, you know, it was a 30, 35 page kind of manifesto book about reaching your potential. It was kind of, it was interesting, definitely. A book I do recommend for mindset is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I love that book. I think it's a bit too extreme, but just to see somebody push themselves that hard, kind of makes you think that, you know, the mind the mind and the body is capable of a lot more than what you'd expect. I highly recommend it just to kind of like, you know, get into get into the mood. I've not read any, but I'm writing notes. And as for business, a book that's really helped me is Traction. And you know, it's, it's a book that kind of gives you a framework of things you should be measuring, how you should be leading your team. And it's been very helpful to, for, for me. Yeah, those are the kind of things, you know, I've been, I've been listening to or, or reading. And Akash, if you go back to being 24, entering Chile, any advice or what should a 24-year-old be looking at in terms of starting a business in Chile? Is it too late? Uh, are there still opportunities in e-commerce, for example, which is your area of, of expertise? Uh, what would you recommend for a young Akash at 24 if he had to start all over again? So if I were to start 2023, um, I would not go into e-commerce or retail. Um, I think things are very, very rough. Things are very, very rough. Unless you have, uh, you know, a very good direct consumer product with high margins, and you, you know, it's something that, that that's not available in Chile. You just don't want competition. Exactly, right? <laughs> that's that's all you're looking for, right? Which in a in a smaller market, I'm pretty sure there are opportunities, but. You know, I'd, I'd look into more service-based businesses, but I, I do think that e-commerce and retail is not a good place right now. But I also think it's not going to stay like that for a very long time, right? However, I always think there's an opportunity if you're, you know, if you're hungry enough to, you know, to be able to jump in. I feel like even knowing all this, I would still jump in right now. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, I just feel like you, you gotta, you know, there are there are opportunities. You gotta, gotta look a lot harder for them. For some reason, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Akash, how does someone uh, reach you? If uh, somebody wants to connect with you, are you open to giving out your email, your Twitter handle, Instagram? Is that something you'd like to share with us? Yeah, sure. Um, you, you can, you know, you can hit me up through Twitter. It's Akash Goklani all together. Or Instagram, Akash.Goklani. And LinkedIn too. I use all three. I think those are the three best ways to reach me. And yeah, no, you know, I'd love to connect with whoever you know, wants to connect. Akash, uh, thank you so much. Uh, always enjoy speaking with you. And uh, I hope to see you soon in person. Take care. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amit. Thank you for, you know, for your time. This has been great. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you all for joining us. Today we spoke with Akash Goklani and uh, we will be in touch shortly for more episodes of Direct to Chile, a podcast where we speak about what it's really like to do business in Chile. Thank you all. Thank you.